0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Did you finish Did you that? Chug that? <laughs> we're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time?
2: Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show, Field of 68, till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single
3: night.
1: Wednesday night, January 4th, 2023. Good evening, everybody. I'm John Fanta. We've got Jeff Goodman from Charleston. We've got Chris Mack from Cincinnati. Let's get it rolling. We're going to begin tonight in the Big East. Coach Mac, a place that you are familiar with. It was the Dunkin' Donut Center. It'll always be the dunk to us. It's now named the Mika Mutual Pavilion, hosting Providence and number four UConn. The Friars are on the cusp of their eighth consecutive win, finding separation in the second half behind Bryce Hopkins, the Kentucky transfer with 27 points. Mac, let's start with you. Your immediate reaction here to Providence and Ed Cooley
3: on their way to an eighth consecutive victory. Just the quintessential Big East, just physicality, toughness, emotion. You know, you had Ed over there on the sideline waving his hands up in the air to get the crowd going as if they needed any more motivation. <laughs> um, just it's, it's really, really a unique environment. And uh, you mentioned Bryce Hopkins, a one-time Louisville commit. He breaks my heart. Uh, Man, is he a tough matchup. I was a little surprised that UConn played two bigs as much as they did together, but, you know, Bryce Hopkins, uh, just a a tough matchup. Jeff,
1: I want to ask you this right off the top here. From this result, we're expecting to get Ed Cooley, by the way, as a special guest tonight. Has this game to you revealed more about Providence being legit or – that there are real concerns for Connecticut big picture.
2: I think it was a combination, right? Providence is, is much better than I thought they were going to be this year after flipping their their team again with the portal, right? And, and then you've got UConn that got off to this great start. But again, they didn't have a lot of like big time wins in there. Remember, they beat Oregon and Portland when Oregon, Mac might as well have been in the backcourt uh, because they had no guards. They have one guard, one ball hammer. They beat Alabama. That was a hell of a win. But Alabama is kind of an up and down. You don't know what you're going to get some some games. So I think UConn is probably more of a top 10-ish to 20-ish team than maybe number one. Uh, and I think Providence, it's so funny because Cooley calls me a good amount. I've known Eddie for 25 years. So he calls me three weeks ago, and he's like, we're soft. I don't know how good we are. You know, Mac, you you, you go through those days, right? You know, you maybe you had a shitty couple practices, whatever. And and then he calls me about two weeks ago, and he's like, you know what? We're getting tougher. And then he calls me the other night, and he's like, Devin Carter's been unbelievable. He, he You know, he takes us. So you kind of just see the progression of this team to, to be what he wants them to be, which is – a bunch of MFers. Really, yeah. that's what he wants them to be.
3: And that's that's what he usually gets. You yes. know, and, and when when he calls you three weeks ago and he says, you know, we're soft, you know, understand his expectation and his standard that's that he's right. had in his program since he established it, you know, several years ago. You know, Ed, um, his teams play football in the half court. Yeah. And it may be an ugly style at times, uh certainly is to play against, but you know, he's, he's incorporates a little bit of that flex stuff at times, you know, he's got a thousand set plays like a football coach. uh, And he gets his guys to compete on the defensive end. And it's like, if you watch his team physically every year that all their guys just look like, I don't know who the strength coach is, but he probably doesn't get paid enough because he he plays with men. Ed has men out there and that's, you know, that's how he got him to play tonight. As you, you know, you may not think UConn's a, a top 10 team, but, they're pretty daggone close, and uh, those two last games they've had to play at Xavier and at Providence aren't the easiest places to play in the Big East.
1: Mac, give us a taste here. You just talked about Cooley's expectations for his team. What is the, the emotion level of going into that building? Because now Providence is 28-1 and one in their last 29 home games. As a visiting coach, when you went to Rhode Island for a game, what are some of the things you heard? What was it like being on the other side of that?
3: Like, there's so many stories. What can you share? Well, I don't know how many things I can repeat that I heard <laughs> from the fans in the stands, but you know they love their friars. I mean, they they just absolutely show out for Big East games. It is going to be raucous. I don't even know if Providence. I don't think they even had students back yet. And if they, they do maybe not. they did, no. They don't. Nope. So, I mean, like for that place to be rocking, I know coaches always worry, you know, you look at the the first conference game or two after the new year, you know, you're not going to have students there. The atmosphere is not going to be what it's normally going to be in January and February. And uh, for Providence to have the type of environment they did tonight, just says a lot about their program and what Ed's done, but uh, it's no easy task. John, you can go in there and Providence can be a 500 team, which doesn't happen often. And you still know it's going to be a war and their guys are going to be on the floor. Uh, and if your guys aren't first to the floor, you're not winning that game.
2: It's at a different level now too, Mac. Like I know when you went into Providence, it was tough, but as Fanta knows over the last like two years, oh my God, it's insane. Now I would put it, I'm, I'm telling you, like you have obviously Duke, Kansas that are at a different level when Indiana is rolling. It's at a, Gonzaga, like there's, you know, people want to put Arizona in there. Arizona is not in there like Texas it used Tech. To be. What is?
3: Texas Tech.
2: Texas Tech, absolutely. I was going to say the two that like people don't really know about are Texas Tech and Providence that I would put in the top 10, maybe even in the top five. I mean, and
3: that, that's a credit to Ed, his yes. staff, the players. I mean, John uh, referenced the 28 and one over the last 29 games. I mean you know, you're going for an event that they're usually uh, successful on that evening.
2: And they're, hey, they're doing plenty, the kids are doing plenty of this. Plenty, like, out the of their are mi- too. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, fan, fan, and I walked in last <laughs> year. Right, and we walked in last oh, year. Oh, wait, no,
1: hold on, hold on. We walked in last year, Mac. He got a chorus of
2: boos. And Fanta, they were, like, cheering they were like bowing down to Fanta and they're rightfully like so. booing my ass.
3: Rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so.
2: <laughs> I mean, taken it, it, it definitely was deserved.
1: They're out of control. It has become, Jeff, like, and here's the thing, Mac. I think you'll, you'll understand this. Like, I got to tell you guys, when the students come back to campus, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah, right.
2: Right. I did it. You've been there. You've been there for some like low major games. That oh they my play. god,
1: you were there. Were you there? Did you make it for Northeastern? Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was phenomenal. Like it phenomenal. was yeah, it was great. And and I will say, this is a big picture item here off the top of the show to, to go national for a moment. We're seeing Providence. We've seen it for a couple of years, granted. Pittsburgh looks to be relevant. Yeah. Kansas State. Yeah. The octagon. Um
2: Missouri. They lost and, tonight. And why? But- what do they all have in common? What do they all have in common? Transfers. Transfers. They all have key transfers. Kansas State's got, obviously, Keontae Johnson. Uh, Missouri, Dennis Gates bought, brought a bunch of dudes with him from Cleveland State. Providence has done it, you know, again this year. Pittsburgh uh, with with Blake Hinson and Nellie yep. Cummings. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So they've all done it with transfers. It could – and again – more often than not, I think it's worked for for programs right now, for high major programs, because you're getting older. Generally getting older is going to help you these days, isn't it, Mac?
3: Absolutely. I mean, you know, you have to bring in the right guys. You have to have those those conversations. They have to know what to expect from you. But, uh, hey, if you have a guy that's had three years of high major college experience and he's joined your program, there are very, very few, if any, freshmen that can match what those guys are going to bring.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: The point that I was going to make yeah. along the lines of what those programs have done is you've got some great fan bases there that have been quiet for a little bit. I mean, They're I remember healthy. when when Frank Martin had Kansas State going, college game day was going there. It was such a hostile atmosphere. That's how good it was. It's been, God, Jeff, how many years has it been since you actually saw a pit home game look like the zoo? I
2: I mean, I usually judge it by where I go, and I haven't been to a pit game at pit in 10 years because they they just haven't been that relevant, right? Stallings, they were terrible. And then actually, if you look at it a few years ago, Capel had it going. Yes. He was like 12 and three. And then there, I can't go into what the incident was, but there was an incident among the team that fractured the team. Internally, and then you saw everybody transfer out or leave. Right, Xavier Johnson left, uh, Tony left, and then Champney left for the pros. And then, so you
3: know, John Hugley got you know arrested. You know, a couple things happen like that. Yes. You know that, that that really for for Jeff was was just a tough blow. Every every he'd take a step forward and two steps back. Right.
2: Right.
1: Here's my question to you, Jeff and, and Mac. I'll be curious to get your thought process too. But let's face it, fellas, it's early January now, all right? Everybody's like, well, it's still kind of early. And at the end of the day, it's eight weeks at this point. That's what that's what it comes down to. And then on that eighth week, how many times did we reference it last year, Jeff? The guys who punched a ticket to the dance were either safe or leveled up if they were at a mid-major. The guys who don't, if they've been in a program for a little while. My point is, how much do you think ADs around the country look at like a Jerome Tang? Look at a Dennis Gates. Look at maybe a Matt McMahon. Like they look at these first year coaches and they're like, ah, I've been waiting for four or five years for my guy to get it going. And here, these guys are in their first year and they got it going. Is that real? Is that real? Again,
2: it's a different time now, right? Like that's the difference. We can't compare it to, you know, five years ago because the portal has changed it. NIL has changed it. Now, in my opinion, You don't have to be a great recruiter anymore. If you've got NIL, that is the greatest way to recruit in a way. If you have NIL and a great, you know, program and history and all that, you can get this thing back quickly. Like Jeff Capel has some NIL, not at the level of Carolina or Duke or those guys, but enough to be able to to get some decent transfers in. Greg Elliott, he got NIL. Like he's a good piece this year for him. Um, And and again, Blake Hinson, I mean, he got fortunate with that one. I mean, the kid didn't play for, I think, two years. He didn't play at Iowa State. So, you know, there's some luck involved too uh, because it could have easily blown up in his face, Jeff Capel. Look at Dior Johnson, right? He goes there. He's the freshman that we're all talking about. He's the guy we thought might save him because of the talent. Dior Johnson obviously gets uh, in, in legal trouble. He's suspended for the year and it might be the best thing that happened because they're just
3: playing older dudes. I, I would never say, I would never use the word easy. You know, I, I do think that there, there is a way that there's never used to be before, you know, and that way is to get guys that aren't just fifth years, which you could have four or five years ago, grad transfer. My first year, Kristen Cunningham was third in the AC, ACC and assists and helped get us to the NCAA tournament. But anybody younger than Kristen, wasn't eligible right away unless they got a waiver that, you know, wasn't happening nearly as much as it did the last few years. And now no waiver needed, you know, you just go wherever you want to play. And so uh, I I do think I, I don't like to use the word easy, but it is easier and it's different than it's ever been. John. You
2: can do it quicker. I guess. Absolutely. You can. It's been proven just
3: by some of the examples that, that John just stated
2: yeah, I mean, look at, you know, St. John's right now with, with Andre Curbello. And, and again, you bring him in. I love Bello. I, I do. I root for him. But now he's suspended. Obviously, there's, there's some issues there between he and Mike Anderson. And, you know, again, it could blow up on Mike Anderson now where he loses his job because he took risks on, on maybe a transfer that uh, didn't fit him in, in his system and his, you know, coaching style. Hmm. All but right, let's try kind of- can I get back to UConn real quick? Yeah. So what's up with UConn? I, again, I, I think the biggest thing is for me those those pieces that were so good early, right? Like they're good pieces. That's what they are. They're good pieces. Sinogo is a terrific player. The like they don't have great point guard play. Tristan Newton is not. He, he's a good player, but he was he was making every shot early and playing out of his mind in Portland. Hawkins has not been a consistent star, right? He's not been that guy that you can just give the ball to and say, hey, go get us one.
3: Like, hey, he's, not he, he, he's not there yet. He's not there yet. He's going to be. I mean, he's a yeah. young sophomore now. Yep.
1: Can yep. I give a take? Can I give a take on this? I, I, sure. I just got to be keep it real here to the two of you. Yeah. To me, Mac, Hawkins is victim of he's gotten got to talk so highly about they're not allowing him to do what you just said. He's gotten he's gotten so much push. NBA player. He's going to be an NBA talent. He's their best shooter since whoever. Best shooter in decades. Like the kid, I don't think he has the mental stamina. It, it's a lot to handle. Is my he's point? Not there
2: yet. He's not, he's not there, there yet. yet. So no, he's not
1: no. there yet. So stop saying he's going to be every game.
3: Yeah. But he need, uh, he, for them I, I to hear be you, John, uh, the good for thing them. is they have enough talent and enough pieces that he doesn't have to be, but I think he's going to be in time. I agree. I
1: would say, though, that in recent games, the defensive formula for teams on the other side, and I think Xavier did this to a degree, Xavier said, we're not worried about point guard play when we play UConn. We're worried about Sunogo, Klingen, Caraban, Calcaterra getting open threes, and Hawkins, and now Providence did it tonight. I mean, Providence just beat UConn with Their returning impact player, Jared Bynum, only having played eight minutes tonight. He he goes out of the game early with a rib injury. Yeah. So Jeff, is UConn still one of the,
2: what are they? One of the 10 best teams in the country? Yeah, they're in there. They're in the mix, right? There's, I mean, honestly, there's a few teams that are probably at the top and I'm not even sure what they are because we thought Purdue and UConn were the best teams in the country a week ago. And now you can make a case that, I think Purdue, well, again, I think Purdue's top 10-ish. I think UConn's top 10-ish. I think you can make a case for 20 teams being in the mix as like top 10-ish teams right now. And I know that sounds ridiculous because the numbers shouldn't support that. But all I'm saying is there's not there's not a clear-cut number one. We know that right now. There's not. And we say every year there's more parity. I think there's even more parity this year because of the portal.
1: No question yeah. about it. Let's talk here, guys. We got a couple of games down to the wire, games that have just wrapped up. Baylor 83, TCU 80. This is on ESPN2 for those of you who want to go with the double boxes. 144 to go in this game. Guys, this is obviously a, a big game for Baylor coming off of a loss. Now you're at home. It's been a a weird season, I would say thus far for Scott Drew. Obviously, some injuries are are playing a part. TCU's yeah. tough. I mean, they come into this game with just one loss in the entire season. We're at 146 to go. I'm watching on my ESPN app. Uh, we'll start with you, Jeff. Just thoughts on this game overall and maybe thoughts on on the state of Scott Drew's Bears and where you sort of see them.
2: Can I can I pivot? Go ahead. Can I can I, can I make a, a a call here? A uh you got to make we, a call. Can, go ahead and make a call. Can we wait and talk talk about this one after it's over? We'll, we'll wait and talk about this one after it's over. Would you
1: like to go to Arkansas, Missouri? Yes. Would you, let's go yes. to Arkansas, Missouri. You pick yeah.
2: Arkansas, Missouri. We can talk Duke losing. What, wherever you want to go, let's just wait for that game to end because we got a minute left and it's a two point game.
1: Sure. Let's let's go to Arkansas, Missouri. Four point Ar- game now. Four point, four point game. game. Ar- Arkansas wins we- all over it. Well, Mac watched all 13,000 games today, right? <laughs> Many as I like, could. I mean, you were all you were all over it. Mac, do you see Mac, do you see how this works? We just go
2: where he like yeah. That is not true. That is not true. D- why do D- I even D- write a, why do I even write a rundown, man? Huh? <laughs> for us? What's, what's for Fata, for me and Fanta, there's no reason to write a rundown. Yeah, no. we
1: haven't done a rundown. Never. Dagan, if you've ever done a rundown for Gottlieb, just I mean, go the other way. Like it's been done
2: and it didn't,
1: it, it didn't follow format. All right. Arkansas wins 74 68. Missouri looked great in the first half. They go up 34 27. They take a lead in the locker room. Look, good showing for Dennis Gates' crew. Arkansas comes away a winner in this to go to 12 and 2. Ricky Council, the fourth. You want to talk about transfers? He has 25 in this game. Jeff, your reaction.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was kind of, I don't want to say like a, a must win or anything like that for Arkansas, but I think it was a big one at home, right? It, that's a tough place to win you're playing against a Missouri team that has a lot of momentum right now right I mean they've won big games they blew out Kentucky and Illinois uh so right now that's a resume win and you you need to kind of I don't know if Water" is the right word without Nick Smith but you lost Brazil for the year you lost your two most talented players right now you're without like Mac. try it no. You know, this like take away your two most talented players, and these aren't like just regular yeah. talents, no, these are like lottery pick talents.
3: You're, you're plugging holes, you're changing roles. It's, uh, you know, it's a big task for musclemen. You know, I, I just, you know, to go to Dennis Gates in Missouri, just so so impressed. I remember at the beginning of the year, but he's saying, Hey, cupcake schedule, think about their last four games or so. You know, I know they got uh, smoked against Kansas, but then they play Illinois right? They play Kentucky. They're at Arkansas. I mean, that's like murder's yes. row there. I yeah. think he'd have taken two and two uh, prior to that. And honestly with a chance to win tonight's game against Arkansas, um, which is obviously a really tough place to play, but you know, Musselman continues to do his thing and, and uh, to play without his two best players, that, that that's not easy. No, it's not. And they
1: were, they were the way that they came out in Maui, and looked. I mean, I all I keep referencing back to is that Arkansas Creighton game in the semifinals, and and Creighton now has won three in a row. They're they seem to be on a on a much better track than they were on. They're at UConn by the way Saturday at noon at Campbell. Interesting <laughs> game now. Yeah, but Arkansas, you know, I know that we've talked about it, but Mac, they've gone to back to back Elite Eights. They're twelve and two. I don't think there's any question they're going to be right there again in March and and could very well be a factor. Just in, in a league where in the SEC there, there's no shortage of challenges, I'm not sure what, what your thoughts are on Arkansas as a program in that league, as a job in that league. How would you speak to what Eric Musselman has been able to do in a short period of time there?
3: Oh, incredible. And, you know, we talked about it five, 10 minutes ago, talked about the portal and transfers. And, you know, he seemingly has a different roster every year. And so he's not leaning on seniors that have been in the program for three or four years. And that's been, you know, incredibly impressive. uh, Because when he took over, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of shine on Arkansas. You know, it wasn't um, one of the premier places you would think of when you think of sec basketball what he's done in the elite eights that he's gotten to and um you know the style that they play you know they're they're so above the rim obviously not as much now with brazil being gone for the year but um just how fast they play and the pace they play um you know i think it sells to kids that that, you know and then, then it just sort of cycles itself right you have success with some transfers and now when you're in the spring and you're talking about like, hey, the guy that just came to us this past year, averaged 17 a game, went to Elite Eight, it's a little bit easier to get that next guy. So um, kudos to Eric for for what he's done at Arkansas.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree that – and I think one of the things, he was ahead of the game on the portal, right, at Nevada. That's where he started yes. and he kind of had to at Nevada. So he had the Martin twins. Yep, yep. Both are in the NBA now. That helps you sell – the next wave of transfers yep. um, and I think by him being in the NBA having a deal with revamped rosters every year different rosters different players has probably helped him as well uh, and it, listen I've said this for years in the SEC when you talk about the best basketball jobs it's Kentucky and then it's Arkansas like Bruce Pearl's made Auburn into a great job, right? Yeah. Oates has made Alabama into a great job. Those are football jobs yes. really inherently where Arkansas is a basketball job at its core.
1: Yes. Which you don't see a lot of those in the current oh. climate, right, Mac?
3: No, especially in that league. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with, right. with the amount of football programs they have. that. Um, exactly. You know, just the tradition and the uh, the goals they have for their football programs. Basketball is secondary at almost every place. I All worry right,
2: about. Here, here's what I worry about Arkansas with this year, though. Yeah. Here's my biggest concern: is their shooting. Yes. And I don't know if Nick, Nick Smith's coming back. I I think he'll come back. A lot of people worry about right now. You hear some speculation. Rich Paul's his agent, so will they shut him down to protect his draft stock? I think he'll come back. Um, but again, we don't know when, we don't know how effective he'll be, you know, the longer it takes, the harder he's only played a few games as a freshman. So to throw a guy back in that needs shots and Ricky councils used to be in the guy now for the most part of the year. So now he comes back in, they got to kind of share it. Um, they just, they don't have a lot of shooters. So they, they brought a kid off the bench tonight. who was like a top hundred ish player. This kid, Joseph Pignon. And yep, yep. he made he made three threes, and at really really opportune times. And I think you're going to see him have to play more, because they don't have that that knockdown shooter. And you need it with all those athletes. Because Anthony Black's not a great shooter. Jordan Walsh not a great shooter. Even Nick Smith, he's a scorer right. when he comes back. Counsel's yep. a scorer who can make threes. But so I, I I think again, it's going to be interesting to see when if. When Nick Smith comes back, how do they – they probably need him back fairly soon here because you start bringing him back in February. I'm not sure he comes back if it gets to February.
3: Oh, my goodness. TCU with a three with three seconds to go goes up to
2: two. Oh, wow. How
1: about that?
2: That'll wow. be a huge – if they hold on, that'll be a huge, huge win. 3.
1: Well, 14. you know what? Here's the thing, folks, if you're surprised, you should not be. They lost a game early in the season to Northwestern State.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, they, they dealt with the, the Damian Boss suspension. They Miles had a couple, didn't
2: play in that one. Miles Mike, Miles, didn't, didn't play Mike
1: one. Miles did not play in that game. Right. Like, at the end of the day, Jeff, we entered the season. I will say this. Look, folks, folks who are listening, we're not taking a victory lap. No, but what we're trying to explain the fact TCU was thought to be like a top three team in the in the Big 12 if everything panned out the right way,
2: right? Yeah, but when you take away your your two veteran guards, your two best players, again, yeah. you don't expect them to lose to Northwestern State. But that's but it. It, it. It's happens. the only blip. It ha- it's-, it's a blip. That's a blip. TCU's a really good team. Jamie Dixon found a way to return everybody. That's the only loss right now, and they're they're starting to get it going and be what we thought they were going to be. Which is again, if you have good veteran guards, you got a chance every night.
3: Big Twelve is a monster league. It's the it's best ridiculous. league in college
2: basketball, and it's not even close, man.
3: Not even close.
2: Like your your old ACC league, God, it stinks right now. I mean, it, it's
3: just it's you know I hate to say it, it's a shell of itself. It is. You know, there's just too many. Wait, teams. wait, hold on a minute. Why is it a shell of itself? I don't know why, but it is.
2: <laughs> I just
3: I just know that like. The ACC that, you know, I just remember watching it when I was a kid, John, and, and you know, like just – it was the premier college basketball conference. And I'm not saying it can't be again, but right now it's not. And, you know, the non-conference has killed everybody because, you know, they come in with just subpar records, and then, you know, they, they want – everybody claims that we're beating up on each other, but it's like yes. if that's the case, if we're beating up on each other – you better be undefeated or have one loss coming into the uh, off the non-conference season.
1: Mac, I think you bring up a great point. I don't know if fans understand this, but I, I'm wondering what your thought process is. Like, it ain't the worst thing in the world if you're in a power conference and your league does have a bottom. Like, if you're one of the top teams. You see what I'm saying? Right yeah. or
3: wrong? Yeah. I mean, if if you're one of the top teams, but if you're one of those teams it's fighting to get in the NCAA tournament, man, having a bottom feeder where a team's only, you know, won like two games and then you go there and they have, you know, 17 fans in the building and they're playing with Under Armour basketballs and you lose by one that costs you going to the NCAA tournament. It's not easy. You sound like you've been personally violated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's, Oh man,
3: we've, we've played in some death environments. That's for sure. You know, I got to bring this up to you. I have to, Goodman, I got to bring this
1: story up to Mac. Go ahead. I have to. I have to. Mac, my favorite, I want to say it was your last year. I'm almost positive. You played a game at Trust Arena in Chicago at DePaul. The game was broadcast nationally on Big Fox. I want to say the game started at 11 a.m. and you played on the women's tournament floor. Do you
3: remember that? So, Trust is the new building, correct? The new yeah, building that would have been my last year. We won that game. Oh, but, you won that game? Yeah, that that gave us the Big East title that year. But uh, was it 11 a.m.? Oh, yeah. Those start times are horrendous. 11 a.m. Well, and yeah, he's you're playing. Having, you know, it's you're Mac. having pregame breakfast, pregame buffet, or whatever at 7:30 in the morning. I mean, hey, it's Goodman Max walking across
1: the floor, and I mean, I'm sorry to bring his name. I you're shaking Dave Leto's hand. And there's the big women's basketball tournament logo, and Chris right. Mack is. I'm like, what is, you know, what is what going on? What are we doing here? Let's go around the ACC. Uh, here, is that okay?
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's. We're still so, waiting for this Baylor game. Still
1: NC going. NC State, whoop, huge win for Kevin Keats. Huge. Their first quad one win. They don't have any major blemishes. They beat Duke 84 to 60. Jeff Goodman, what is wrong with Duke?
2: Uh, they're a lot younger than NC State. We'll start there. Uh, it's really tough to play at NC State. That is a Chris knows this. That is a tough place to play. Those fans are out of their friggin' minds. Um, and never again, lost
3: there, but you know, go go ahead, say that again. Never lost there, but but but, but go it ahead. Is, right.
2: I mean, but their fans are. Now, again, but their fans are a you, lot
3: crazier when Duke here, 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 or Carolina come. 100%. Here's right. the difference. NC State has better guards, and it's not even close.
2: That's a great point. Yes. yes. And, and
3: and Jeremy Roach has gotten way better. But his support, they're young. Yep. And, you know, I remember last year playing Turquavion. You know, he was a freshman yeah. We played him at NC State. You might remember Matt Cross hit a three at the uh at the buzzer in the in the corner or whatever. Yeah. Um and I remember watching him on film prior to that game and saying, This dude's wild. What what is he doing? He's taking horrendous shots. Yeah. We play him three weeks later at our place, and he was a one man wrecking crew. You couldn't keep him in front of you. He could create his own shot at any time. He anytime he wanted. And now you combine that with, you know, Jarquel Joyner. And then you have Casey Morsell is playing way better this year than last year. Th- those are three high level guards. And I-, I didn't think Duke had anybody close to as talented as those guys on the perimeter.
2: Yeah. I mean, Roach, Roach had probably his worst game of the season, Yeah, which he can't afford to have. If but, White you know, had, you know-
3: here, here's the, again, I think Jeremy Roach is a terrific player but like the the size of NC State's guards even if Roach is playing at a high level yeah. like Terquavion is 6 foot 4, 6 foot 5 oh, long. I mean, like long. he he's an NBA big, tall, long, athletic, gets his own shot guard and yes. they got a couple more of those dudes. Well, Joiner,
2: here you're Joyner. right and I tweeted this during the game. They have two guards that can make plays off the balance. Yes. Duke really doesn't have any right now. That's the problem, right? Like Whitehead's not there yet. Maybe he'll get there. And that's not really Roach's game either. No. These two now now again, the NC State Guards could also just as easily end up going six for thirty in a game. And,
3: and that's that's where I think if if Kevin could could get them to be a little bit more mature and yeah. consistent yeah. with their shot selection, uh their loosey goosiness with the basketball at times, if yeah. that tightens up. I'm telling you, they have as good of a backcourt in terms of talent Agreed. as anybody in the ACC. Like Miami, Florida is obviously up there in, in, yeah. in backcourt talent. But that—that I, that, I don't want to say it's missing, but that's what can be missing for them when they go the wrong way.
2: Right. right. And the TCU other thing gets is the road win. TCU got the road win at Baylor. Wow. It's a
1: huge, yeah. huge win for TCU, it's and we could huge. we could pivot right there and, and react immediately here. That's what we do on Field of 68 After Dark. TCU 88, Baylor 87. So for the Horn Frogs, just one loss on the season. This puts them at 13 and one. On a night where Keontae George scores 27 points, it doesn't matter. You know why? Mike Miles Jr. is one of the best guards in America, people. He's one of the best guards in the country. 33 points, hmm. three assists. He was absolutely fantastic. And guys, TCU scored 88 at Baylor. They shot three for 14 from three. I'm not saying they're a good three-point shooting team. In fact, they're a bad three-point shooting team. That team scored 88, and you pretty much know what they're going to do offensively. Wow, what a win. And, And what a continually amazing job Jamie Dixon has done back home at
2: TCU. Man. Have you been to TCU ever, Mac?
3: Uh, um, no, you, you wouldn't, no, you haven't. wouldn't remember if you did. I mean, I, I've, I've been, um, sorry, but yeah, I, I've been to the city. I can't remember, recall it right now. Great
1: city, but it's not right. a basketball city.
3: Correct.
2: Well, that's the thing is right. Like everybody talked about what a sleeping giant it is. Cause you've got a lot of talent around that area, obviously. And, and they've got good facilities and all that. Obviously it's a football school right now. We know that. Um, but, but I think, you know, what you've got to do there is, is retain your talent. And Jamie Dixon did that. Like he, he found a way to keep Mike miles and Damian Baugh didn't work out at Memphis. When I remember Mike Miller, then assistant and Penny Hardaway, both telling me he's a pro, he's a pro. Well, you got to get lucky a little bit and get a guy like that. And You know, again, in that league, there's so many opportunities. You get eaten up in in that league this year, but if you're also going to have so many opportunities that if you go 500 in that league, you're going to be like a five seed this year.
4: Yeah. Huge win.
3: The job that Jamie Dixon's done when they, they, they got him out of Pittsburgh. They ran him out. He goes to TCU and they're they're a downtrodden program. And, uh, for, for them to be 14 and 1 or are they 15 I don't even know now um just yeah, they got a, one loss incredible whatever job. It is. but like Jeff said you know to bring back all your players is is a rarity at the high major level at this point um you know Scott Drew starts out and 2 now in the Big 12 but wow. the thing I the thing I love about Scott is like think about 3 or 4 years ago all they did was play zone all they did was play zone. No, now they, don't play, any zone. Now they no. play pressure man in the half court. He no. he does it. He finds different ways yeah. um, to get you know his why, to
2: do the best. You know, you know why? Like he's always trying to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I've said this in the past. When I've sat with Scott at AU events, mm-hmm. you know, I'll sit next to him and then there'll be another coach maybe on the other side of him or on the other side of me. He's always asking questions and trying to learn and not acting like he's smarter than everybody else, which, I, I, you know, it's refreshing in a way because a lot of coaches, like, they may do that one-on-one in a gym, but they're not going to do it with, you know, tons of other coaches sitting wall-to-wall at the Peach Jam or something like that. But Scott, he doesn't care about, like, the perception, right? He doesn't care that we think, you know, he's dorky or anything like that. He kind of embraces it all.
3: Yeah, he's a great person. I mean, I, I can't say I know yep. him terribly well, but he's always treated um. And it's not well, phony. Not, it phony. Is
2: not phony where everybody thought it was phony. Yeah. Fifteen you know the what was the perception years ago?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: It was like this this dude can't be this this happy. I mean, you know. Like like I'm negative Nancy all the time, and I'm like, man, I, I gotta be more like Scott Drew. I gotta hang around with him more.
1: I will say, since you've gotten down to Charleston, like I see a smile, you yeah, your fake, I mean, you know, you've got some energy
2: to I got you. My blue moon here. I'm ready to crack it open for our, our toast.
1: Yeah, like I'm noticing some all good fatter. signs.
2: I mean, I I walked six miles yesterday. What oh. six miles all through. I your saw a breakdown houses.
3: or something or what <laughs> What's that? Did your car breakdown or what?
2: No, I just, it was 70 degrees. Oh, okay. So I walked to an area of Charleston that I know I can't afford. Well, it would motivate me to try <laughs> to work harder so I could afford one of those houses, but I'm, I'm probably never going to be able to, but uh, yeah, 70 degrees. I figured I'd get my fat ass moving.
3: Hey, it's not bad here in the Midwest, man. It's been like 55 60 over the last two or three days. Went to the Bengals game the other night and it was 55 degrees. Wow. Man. Wow.
2: All it right, was, so yeah.
1: um, TCU, Baylor. Right. How about the fact, just to recap for a second. Yeah. Baylor's 0-2 in the Big 12. Wow. They're going to try to get their first Big 12 win. Their next game, you turn the page in this league, they're hosting Jerome Tang in Kansas right. State Saturday evening. What, what about the emotion of that game, Jeff?
2: Yeah, I mean, those guys were together for so long and I'm really happy for Jerome Tang. He's similar to to Scott in a lot of ways. They're both super positive, high energy. Um, There's a reason why they were able to get that Baylor program to where they got it to. And it wasn't like it was just the last few years either. You know, like, they've been pretty darn good for the last 10 or 12 years. Um, So Tang, Scott Drew, you know, it's so funny. I I went down there last year with Talia, right? We went down because I think I told you guys like Scott's been awesome to her. So we go down there and uh, first thing we check in the hotel and there's a handwritten note. And and they know Talia's not going to go to school at Baylor. There aren't many Jews down in, in Waco, Texas. So she wasn't going to school in, in 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 Baylor. But they literally every one of them handwritten note when we checked in the hotel to her. Tang takes us on this long tour and You know, through the campus, everything. We talked to like a journalism professor. Literally, we get done with the whole thing. Talia looks at me. She's like, "Hey, Dad. Like, I know, like, like I I might really want to consider Baylor." And I'm like, "Talia, you're not going to Baylor. Come on. You, you just, you're not going to Baylor. It's too far, first of all." Um, But that's kind of the the type of people they are, and the type of recruiters both of them. Good recruiters. Unbelievable recruiters. Unbelievable.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: And for TCU on the other side of this, a huge win for them undefeated early on in conference play. And then it's like, you look up at their upcoming schedule, they're hosting Iowa state who stayed hot tonight by beating Oklahoma, then they turn the page from, from that game. They're going to go to Texas next Wednesday. So it's like, there's just no rest in the freaking big 12. I mean, Mac, it's unbelievable. I don't know if I've ever seen a league that could have that, that one has all 10 teams in the top 50 or so of the net top 40 at Ken Palm legitimately. The entire league is in the picture for the NCAA tournament. It's
3: unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just uh, – I wish it would sort of stay the way it is right now, but obviously college basketball and college athletics are changing because the Big 12 is going to look a lot different here in the next year or two. Uh, do you hate up, it what, as much as season. we
2: do? Do you hate all this realignment as much as, as we do covering it?
3: Um, you know, I, obviously everybody covers the 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 big schools, the high majors. But so many, like, low-major and mid-major programs are affected. You know, I, I heard Doug Davenport talk the other day, a Bellarmine assistant a head coach in waiting. And by the time year five for them and the A-Sun comes around, they'll have had five different looks in the same conference. No no same season will have been consistent in terms of amount of league games they've played and the teams in the league. So it's just um, – It's hard to get rivalries, obviously, besides like that next door neighbor rivalry um, entrenched, you know, and so I don't like it. I know why it's happening, but to say that I want to see UCLA in the Big Ten, come on. I
2: mean, think about me, like Arizona UCLA was it for me when I went to school there and now it's no more like. It just it, it, it makes no sense. It's I, have, and, 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 I gotta go ahead. And not ahead.
3: And not only does it not make sense like just you know in our minds because of the, the, the history and the tradition, but it doesn't make sense geographically, you know, for these kids and then and then for the fact that you know it's not just the high major sports. Everything, as you know, is dictated by football. Yep. Well, football's got a week to rest. So they fly out, you know, from the west coast to east coast, Very they true. play a game. They fly back. They got five game, five days to rest. that's not the case in some, of, in most of the sports, with basketball, volleyball, and you know, baseball, and all the other sports.
1: Goodman, I can't help like Mac. I just love the line. I wish I could put that on a t-shirt with Goodman and said, "Think about me, think about me." Because I got <laughs> to say, it's all about know, me. It's you know what it, me. but you know what, you know what quote that brings up. It's not about me. Last year.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. Yes,
1: from is. one Michael Shishetsky at the Final Four, but with maybe the greatest picture of Coach K taken ever on Twitter, ever, <laughs> like not even close. Let's go. We we've, yeah. we've got Cooley coming up on the show. We have not hit the Big Ten tonight, Jeff. We got to discuss this here. Final score: Northwestern seventy three, Illinois sixty. What what happened to the Illini?
2: I mean. I don't know if you saw the clip uh, that yep. Field of 68 tweeted out from Underwood going at oh, Terrence Shannon. And uh, it's amazing how quickly things can change, right? Because, you know, just three weeks ago or so, I was with Underwood. You were too, Fanta, uh, at the Garden. And, uh, and they end up kind of squeaking one out against Texas.
3: Yeah, and, talk about how things change. That's don't what I mean. Right. Chris
2: Beard. Right. Chris Beard is the coach that night. And Brad Underwood appears to be very, very happy. Um, Not really showing the signs that he's worried about his team, but you could tell he was right. You could tell. And then they go in this tailspin, right? They get blown out. Uh, I don't remember the order of all this, but Missouri, that was an embarrassment. After they lost at home to Penn state. Correct. And then now you get a bye game. Um, you know, at the holidays and you you got Northwestern at Northwestern and you're expecting them to come out and and just kill Northwestern, especially Northwestern doesn't have a lot of size. So they should be able to dominate them on the glass. And they didn't do that tonight. And Shannon didn't do much. And again, Underwood, Mac, did you see the, the clip of Brad going at Shannon? I did. I did. What did you, what did you think?
3: Well, it's hard for me to, I, I don't know what the context was, right. but obviously, you know, he's a Huggins disciple and you know, Huggins <laughs> yes, doesn't necessarily um, calculate his words. <laughs> and so um, it's 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 going to depend on the relationship that, that Coach Underwood has with Taryn Shannon. And they're new.
2: I mean, that's the hard that's part. That's the hard is, part. Again, you're not dealing, the good part is you're not dealing with a freshman. The good part is you're dealing with a guy who is coached by Chris Beard and Mark Adams. So Yeah,
3: it, yeah, and, and we said this. I mean, that when you're a transfer, um and you're trying to find a better situation, you're also a lot more educated about the process. You're also more educated about college basketball expectations, how long the season is, you know, how much effort is required, you know, to watch film, to lift weights, to get to practice, to be prepared. So they had to have known that brad wasn't a sit on the bench type of coach right you know he was going to be more in your face and he was going to be very demanding and he's going to be demonstrative
1: Hmm. so northwestern now on the other side of this they're 11 and 3 they own a win over illinois they got drugged by ohio state they did go to michigan state and beat the spartans they also lost by 29 to pittsburgh like they have had one strange ride of it, but I gotta tell you, I mean, Chris Collins entered the year with a very critical season. And through fourteen games, they they they've got a pulse and they beat they Illinois in their level three. Yeah.
2: yeah. They, they did what, what Chris Collins was hoping they could do to give them a chance because the Big Ten's gonna get seven or eight teams in yeah. the tournament. Yes. So if you're if you're Chris Collins, you know, you hold court at home. Right? I mean, that's really all you have to do. Hold court at home, and then maybe steal one against, you know, yep. Nebraska and Minnesota. Right. Um, and then you find yourself in the equation.
1: Uh, while we're on the Big Ten, Michigan wins tonight. They beat Penn State. By the way, Ed Cooley is calling in now. We should have him in any moment. Uh, I'm curious here, Jeff, Mac, wherever you guys want to take I'll start with you, Jeff. Like, So, produce number one in the Big Ten still, I would say – yeah. Do they have a, like, who's their biggest challenger? Is it Wisconsin? Is it Ohio state? Where do you I think sit? it's
2: everybody? I think it's like, honestly, I think, I think it's so wide open that it could be anybody. It probably depends on the schedules. If you look at the teams right. in the big 10, my guess is if you look closely, it might come down to schedule and, and you know, who who you're getting twice in mm-hmm. in, in a year like this, where there's not a ton of difference, I'll still put my money on Purdue here. I trust Painter. I trust Zach Eady. I know what I know what I got there, and I trust that they're going to make shots eventually.
3: I thought you. But I thought you had Iowa winning the Big Ten. I did. Well, I gave up on
2: that. Yeah, I gave up. I threw that
3: one away. That never job, happened. Man. Well, they they play twenty conference games, right?
2: Yeah, but I've given up on them already. <laughs> I re- I reserve the right to jump back on the bandwagon, but I got. And can we can we say one thing about Iowa while we're on Iowa? Yeah, we got Ed Cooley waiting, but go ahead quickly quickly, before we get to Ed, and we, you can bring in Ed if you want right now, but uh, all the best uh, to yes, Patrick McCaffrey, Patrick. Who, who's yeah. taken some time off for mental health. One of the best kids I've ever been around,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, I just hope he he, he starts to uh, feel better about himself yeah. and uh, and get healthy, because uh, love him, love him. So
1: true. So true. Well,
2: it's we're it's just good good you.
1: The head coach yeah. of the Providence Friars, good. Ed Cooley, the Friars are... 13 and three. They've won eight in a row. The eighth straight victory. It comes over UConn tonight, 73 to 61. And if we can, uh, if once we get video like up Ed's here, we have never we'll... done
2: a Zoom before.
4: Right. You know.
1: Eddie, here, here we go.
2: Great the Architects hands it off.
4: There he Ed, is.
2: Say hi Ed... to Mac. Say hi to
3: Mac of all people, Eddie. Where's Mac at? Coach Cooley. What up, boy? How you doing? I'm, do- I'm hey, not you're... doing as not doing as well as you are tonight, man. Congratulations!
4: Thanks a lot, man. We miss you on the sideline, dog. How, <laughs> how's, how, hey, how's how's Mac? Mac, little Mac, doing?
3: He's doing great, man. He's second grade. He had basketball practice tonight. About 15 minutes in, he couldn't keep dribbling. He said his finger hurt, so he couldn't play. <laughs> he couldn't have played for you. So I'll, I'll make sure that Providence doesn't come calling if he ever gets recruited.
4: Oh, my guy. I appreciate you. It's great to see you, coach. Really, really good to see you, brother. You too, Ed. I appreciate it. Thank you. Eddie. Ed, go ahead, Jeff. I mean,
2: listen, we talked, what we talked, two nights ago, as I was walking the dog outside here in Charleston, you were saying to me the the progression. I I was telling these guys, the progression of our phone calls over the last three weeks. Three weeks ago, my team's soft. I'm not sure how good they are. Two weeks ago, I'm starting to feel better. (laughs) The other night, Devin's been awesome. We know what Bryce has been. I really, I'm starting to really like my team. How much did this reinforce how far this team has come over the last three weeks, Eddie?
4: Well, I mean, you know, our staff has done a good job and we said after the practice, we're getting there, we're getting there. As you know, having eight new players and trying to get people into their comfort zones, that's the way I coach. Like I'm gonna coach your strength, not so much the system. Um, And guys are starting to buy into the identity of you got to be tough on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively, in particular when you play against Connecticut. They are just men out there defensively. And I thought our players really stepped up to the challenge. So we're definitely um, we're definitely improving.
1: Ed, you said before the season started that you felt like Bryce Hopkins had a chance to be Big East player of the year. Twenty seven points tonight and he is relishing being that man for your team. What has that process been like, and what are you seeing from him?
4: Well, he's he's somebody who's a gift to the way we play and the way I coach his versatility. You can play him at damn near every position. You know, uh, Croswell stole a bunch of rebounds from him today because normally he's an elite rebounder. But he's, just, he's a Swiss Army knife where you can play him all over the floor. He's got some auto porter in him. He's got some, you know, he's got some Karan uh, Butler in him. You know, you know, those hybrid six, seven, six, eight guys are just hard to guard when they can put it on a floor like that. And um, we had some good film sessions to see, uh, you know, how else we can we can improve with him.
3: Ed, how's my man Noah Locke doing for you? I know he hit some big time shots tonight. Great kid. Obviously, tremendous shooter. I'm hope, hoping you're bringing that little toughness level up in Noah's case as well.
4: Oh, well, no one knows, and, and and I appreciate you recognizing that. You can tell you're a coach on that and have done it a long time, and that's the one thing I told him, like, we're going to get you shots. We want you to shoot the ball, but you got to play both ends, and he is really buying into that. Right. You know, and he said that's not something that in the past that was counted on from them all the time, but, you know, you coach in the Big East, you are coaching the ACC, you know the physicality, and you got to be able to do that, if not as hard as keep you on the floor.
3: Yep,
2: yep.
4: Great question. uh,
2: This was the one game I I was very upset. I'm not too upset I've been down here in Charleston and will be for another few weeks. I won't (laughs) lie to you. Uh, 70 degrees yesterday. But I was upset I wasn't there tonight for that atmosphere. To hear the kids singing Taylor Swift. We'll get you out on the Taylor Swift thing later. Uh, But what was the atmosphere like? I mean, it's been, I say it like it's a top five environment these days. Was it that good, even without the students in, in session today?
4: I say with the students is probably an A plus plus. Today was A plus. Uh, the energy, the enthusiasm. You know, you know when you go to Nova or you go to Gamble, you're down six or seven when you get off the bus. When you go to the Cintas Center, you're down. Same thing here. When you get off ninety five, you're down six seven points right out the gate, yeah. and it went to another level today. And again, I say this, it's a credit to Danny and that organization. Because people come to watch us, but they know we're playing a top five team. He has a hell of a team. So I think the combination of it, Danny's teams are going to have to get used to playing in those environments. And it's a credit to what they built there because everybody's going to want to watch them play.
1: Ed, it just felt right watching the game tonight. It, It felt like the war that you think Providence and UConn should be. And in a world where we're always talking about, well, what's the whistle or how's this game getting officiated or whatnot? I was getting text messages tonight from a lot of people saying, man, you know, between the coaches, the players, the officials, like was that not the epitome of Big East basketball the last two hours and change what we just watched?
4: It's funny you say that because that's the first thing we said walking on. That was Big East basketball at its best. That reminded me of the old school Pitt teams or the Syracuse teams or the Connecticut teams playing it just was a physical war. I mean, it was nothing given. Everything had to be earned. Both sides of the ball. Balls are flying. Bodies are flying. Whistles are blowing. Coaches are mad. Coaches are smiling. <laughs> here, Wet spot here. It, it, Ed had every ingredient to be a classic, classic Big East game. And I can't tell you how proud I am of our guys because I'm, I'm very excited about how much we're growing.
3: Hey, Ed, I got one final question.
4: Uh-oh, uh-oh. I oh side text from
3: all these Big East coaches. You talk about their team comes off the bus. They're down six or seven at Providence. But you waving your arms to the crowd and telling the crowd to get up, that makes it nine to ten points. You need to keep your arms to the side, right, and let the players decide the game and quit getting the crowd so hyped. It's already hard enough to win at the dunk. And I know they don't call it the dunk anymore, but it'll always be the dunk to me.
4: Uh, you know what? It, it, it's the Civic Center back in the day. It's a Mecca Mutual Pavilion and that's what they're there for. You know what's great about we have an educated crowd and I appreciate them responding to that cuz as <laughs> you know man when that noise picks up and, and that energy picks up man it it just makes it it makes it great. So Hard to I'm, win never, there. I'm never I'm never going to stop doing That's a great win for Providence College and our organization because yes, we sir. beat a great team.
2: Hey, do you catch a glimpse
4: when they're playing Taylor
2: Swift? And you're in the huddle to ever catch a glimpse over to to those fans. Because if you don't, you need to. At some point, it is one of the funniest, most entertaining things I've ever seen in a crowd anywhere. When Taylor Swift comes on and you've got all these shit-faced students
4: (laughs) singing along to it, It, It's, it's, it's it's classic. Honestly, I can hear it a little. I mean, I'm not paying attention to that. I had to learn the song you know I'm, I'm a 53 year old dude so Taylor Swift and Ed Cooley we don't we don't go hand in glove there you know I, again I'm a Lou Rawls Barry White dude as you know um, but I, I appreciate the energy it's brought to our organization you know hey, Ed, and, and those kids tell- have a great time with it. Ed before you go
2: out tell Mac the story the quick abbreviated story of years ago can, can you do it on air of when it was you me and was it Pastorino who went down in
4: in? No, in it was me, you, and a kid that was at University of Rhode Island that transferred. Uh, forget his name. We were in a place in Atlanta. It was a, um, I think it was a country restaurant. Yes. It wasn't too popular with the brothers, um, <laughs> and I had to take a stage left. Yeah, when they said he, I was out by the time they said (laughs) ha. Only Eddie could walk in there like nothing, though.
2: Like nothing. Just, listen, congrats on the win. Uh, One hell of a win, like I said. Uh, It sucks that we couldn't have been there for that one. Uh, But I'll be back home soon, back to the uh,
4: 40 degrees. Appreciate it. Matt, great to see you, Coach. Give give your wife a big hug and your girls a big hug. Happy New Year, guys, and thanks a lot for having us on. We appreciate it.
3: Keep it rolling, Ed.
4: Well bye now.
1: Congratulations. There he is. Great. The head coach of the friars. And we thank his SID, Arthur Parks, for delivering. Good night, Arthur. Thanks, Arthur. Great stuff, man.
2: He's Tell done such an amazing job there. Like that's yeah. the one thing is, you know, he's got the whole package, Mac, doesn't he? In terms of again, coaches his kids, great communicator, great relationship builder. Great salesman of the program. He's from the city, so he connects.
4: Because
3: yeah. people
2: like what people in Providence don't understand is it's not that good a job. It's not. I mean, I don't know what I'd rank it if I if I maybe I'll do it this offseason and rank all the jobs. I would assume you probably put it unto itself now. The the practice facility is insane. It is unbelievable. Almost as good as anything I've seen, other than maybe Texas Tech. Uh, but the program itself is probably I don't know top fifty ish maybe.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not going to rank what what type of job it is, but I, I'd say the type of job that Ed Cooley's done is nothing short of amazing. He amazing. His personality yep. is infectious, and you know he he's he's that guy that that can have a conversation with the president of the university and at the same yes. time be best buds with the ticket takers and the, the guys sweeping up the gym floor <laughs> afterwards. And that's, that's, that's no BS. That That is who Ed Cooley is. Whether you see him at final four, walking through the convention center, whether you see him at the peach jam or whether you see him at Dunkin Donuts in the morning. Uh, you know, if, if you're in Providence, Rhode Island, he is a class act and a, a very sincere guy.
2: You never hear yeah. a bad word about Ed Cooley ever. Like how many coaches, I mean, Mac, there are plenty of bad words said about you behind your back. I know. Over the years, some um, in front of me too. But but Cooley <laughs> is one of those guys. There aren't many of them. There are not many of them. I didn't hear what he said. What did he? Did he take a shot at me? No, no. he said
3: some of them have been said in front of me too. Some of the bad words. <laughs> no, also- Ed, Ed's, Ed's one of those rare guys that yeah. Um, yeah. You know, again, I think well- he he just has a way of of connecting with anybody. He's,
1: he's not only elevated Providence College basketball, he's elevated Providence College. Right, he is right. the power of what college basketball can do in an institution. If you look at anything with that school, it's gone up in brand. It's, it's an example of when they make the Sweet 16 last year, and they're playing Kansas at the United Center, and you hear that fan base actually competing with Kansas fans. I think it really put them on the map. And we talk about it, Chris, of like, what's the key to winning in March? And how do you break through? And Brad Underwood said something last summer. It hit me. He's like, the key to winning in March is you got to keep making it. And where the chips fall, you're you're eventually going to make a run. Ed Cooley had his shining moment last year. And now, if you're a transfer and you're looking to be nurtured and you're looking for the right second chance and you want to go to a basketball school, Coolies made it a home, a place where guys can feel that they're at home because he is from there. He yeah. grew up, folks, from nothing. He grew and up from nothing. He, he wasn't sure if he, he was not sure growing up if he was going to have water and heat day in and day out in the winter. So when you grow up with that, he said he talks to his kids all the time and says you take nothing for granted. And here's why. I have freaking lived it in terms of being able to get in touch with kids and gain them to a program that fits and gain them to a program where basketball is the priority. He's got it cooking there. And he's Jeff, I'll say this to you. If it's a top 50 job, I totally get the take, but he's elevated that job to a level that 100%. no one thought
2: it could get to. And, and, and what I'll say off that is if there's any job that opens, pretty much, I'd be looking at it. Cooley Like, his name would be in the mix if I was in AD for almost any job. Like, I don't even know what job I wouldn't look at, Ed Cooley. I said it when when Michigan opened and they picked Juwan Howard over him, I thought it was a mistake. I did. Now I know Juwan Howard's done a hell of a job, right? Like recruiting, done a great job recruiting, good job coaching. Um Ed Cooley, think of what Ed Cooley would have done recruiting wise with the Michigan brand. Think of what he could have done. I mean, again, Juwan's done it too. The difference is to me, Ed Cooley had already been so ingrained in in the college, oh, yeah. coaching, the recruiting, all of it. He know he knew it all. He could have picked up, um, and, and and honestly, I think Michigan would be playing for Final Fours and, and maybe national titles if they had hired Ed Cooley.
1: Hmm. Are we ready for our three toasts of the night?
2: Yeah, yeah. We yeah. I think we've hit. I mean, there are a couple of things we haven't mentioned that I think we can mention. We don't have to go into them. But, again, Miami losing at Georgia Tech. right?
1: Miami losing at Georgia Tech. Surprising. I, that's surprising. Yes. I mean, I honestly walked into this week thinking Miami – and I still do think they have a chance because it looks like the ACC is wide open. Yeah. But, like, honestly, if you started this week, there was a realistic case for Miami to win the ACC. But
2: and still,
1: still they still can. They be.
3: still can. I think right. that, you know, with, with Miami, there's such a – you know, they have guards that can just take you. You know, you sure. you've got Wong, who's just yep. – um, he, he's a bucket. But, you know, when you play against the funky zone, it's hard to do that. Right. You know, there has to be ball movement. You have to get the ball in certain spots. It has to involve two or three players on your team in order to get a really good shot. And so I, I think, you know, that's that conflict right there just becomes something that's a, a, a challenge, I think, for a team like Miami. Hmm.
2: Carolina barely holds on against Wake Forest. They were down a good part of that game. Pete Nance only played a couple minutes. His back, I think, stiffened up on him. So he didn't really play. Leaky Black was really good. Uh, R.J. Davis at 27. Baycott at 21.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, they held court. That that was a big win for Carolina because yeah. you lose that one at home. Oh, you're in danger mode. Yeah. Yeah, danger. like you you lose that type of game at home, and who knows kind of where it goes. So I thought but, that was an important one uh, I'll tell for you Carolina. i
1: and huh? then all, also in the ACC, Clemson goes to Virginia Tech and yes. beats the – Yeah, Clemson. I mean, Brad Brownell in a very, very critical year. They're they're 12-3 and three on the season. I'm surprised to see Virginia Tech drop a game in Blacksburg at home to Clemson. I'll be honest.
2: Me too. Me too. You know, I saw him a couple of weeks ago uh, lose at Boston College, and they had an injury there. The kid Couture got hurt, uh, and he hasn't come back, and they need him. Because he can, he can really, really shoot it. Um, so I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be a tournament team. But, yeah, they can ill afford. How about I mean, this?
1: How go. about this? There's two. There are two teams at 4-0 and in the ACC tied Pitt for first. Clemson. Pitt and Clemson.
2: Holy shit. Wow. Wow. Who would have thought? I mean, and seriously, listen to this. you would have won a lot of money, Mac, on, on a parlay on those two. Wait a minute. Goodman, you're going to love this. Clemson and Pitt are
1: 4-0. Miami's four one. That's not surprising. The team that is in third place is three and one Syracuse.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've learned over the years uh not to get all caught up in early early uh season uh league play, right? For sure. Like, I know. You know, sometimes it's matchup. sometimes you know, who you play who you play and where is very important. As Mac knows, it's hard to win these conference road games, really hard. Three toasts. All right, Mac, you're
1: up
3: first. I know we talked a little bit about them tonight, and they didn't play tonight, but uh, I want to toast Jeff Capel. I don't have any uh, alcoholic beverages. I'm going to go with the regular classic Coke. But, um, you you know, just watching Jeff take over the program, inherited it such a tough time, had a lot of adversity, Uh, important year. You know, even when they weren't great, they were always tough. Yeah. And they they were always physical, and their guys always talked. They were confident, even when they weren't very talented. And to see them be 4-0 in the ACC and, you know, beat Carolina and Virginia, both home games. Should have beat Virginia at Virginia a year ago. Um, But just really happy for Jeff, man, because he's had some tough days uh, at Pitt and to see him where he's at. And I know it's just the beginning of the season in terms of ACC play, but uh, kudos to Jeff Capel uh, and the Pitt Panthers.
2: All right. I'll I'll uh, I'll go next and and you can go last, Vanna. Um, I'll go Jarkel Joyner. Nice. And really the NC State backcourt. You could go with both of them. But yes. um, Turquavian Smith gets a lot of the, the headlines – and rightfully so, because he can put up points in a hurry. But uh, Joiner, twenty-one points, nine assists, and no turn, no turnovers against. Wow, teams. that's one hell of a floor game. Um, nine assists, no turnovers with twenty-one points. You know, he he was fantastic. He made shots from deep. He got his teammates the ball, and uh, they they pounded him right out of the gates.
1: There was one top twenty-five team in the country that we did not talk about tonight on the show. And that's who I'm going to toast. They have won 14 in a row. They own the nation's college longest. Charleston. They own the nation's longest winning streak. Pat Kelsey and the college of Charleston are 15 and one on the year. They beat North Carolina a 9279. They're going to play at home on Saturday against Delaware. I'll tell you what mid-major. Guess who games. will
2: be there. Guess who will be there. You're going. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it's a sellout. Uh, of course it is. I'm taking I'm taking Melissa with me. She's Ooh, coming five o'clock then, game on Saturday. Are so. you paying for dinner after? Yeah, we we decided we can't do these big dinners every single night. We did them for the first like week, and uh, oh. yeah, no, you can't you can't keep doing like halls and <laughs> this uh, you know snob all these places because like they add up. Like I'll yeah, like I'll be broke. So uh,
3: and you'll be two seventy.
2: Yeah, no, no doubt. I got to keep walking the six miles. I'll
1: tell day. you what, um, just to have a closing wrap on them, they are running the floor like there's no tomorrow. I mean, Jeff, you'll see it on Saturday. Charleston style of play, they're top fifty in hempom tempo. They really yeah. and, and they got legit ten guys. Dalton yep. Bolin tonight, D two transfer, uh, who by the way on his bio page, uh, no, on the bio page for Berzovich. It yep. says that Jeff Goodman was high on Ante Berzovich once upon a time. You uh, you made an evaluation yes. of him that you thought he was pretty good. The point is, they've done it with international guys and yep. and D2 transfers. Like I love this story. Get this Mac, stat.
2: Mac knows Kels well. You Mac know Mac Kels, Kels well. I'll get you, I'll get you on
1: Kels. Here's a stat for you guys. Bring in the note tonight. Charleston is the first CAA-ranked team in the regular season since – Uh, The Admiral David Robinson in 1987 Navy.
2: Wow. Wow. That's a hell of a stat. If Mac was a good, if he was a good, he'd fly down to Charleston for Saturday. And uh, I got three tickets and I'm only
3: using two. Hey man, it's club club volleyball season for the Macs. First tournament (laughs) this weekend, Muncie, Indiana, baby. Oh, I was just
2: in Muncie, Indiana a few months ago. Beautiful place. Would you (laughs) open your doors for him? Would you? He could stay with you uh yeah we have a third bedroom he actually could stay i would i would allow that i would allow that as long as he walked the dog yeah i love i
1: love you saying i walk six miles and matt goes did your car break down
2: (laughs) (laughs) well we got a good we we got a lot of different uh places around here for uh for breakfast so uh, i kind of walk every morning find a different uh little breakfast spot so It's been good. It's been good. Keep
1: up the updates from Charleston and enjoy Saturday. And we hope you enjoyed tonight's show. We're back at it tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern time. Fieldof68.shop. Hey, check out the Field of 68 daily, the newsletter, 8 a.m. in your inbox. Mike Miller's got a lot of stuff to write about. So check that out in the morning. For Jeff Goodman, for Chris Mack, for Rob Doster, who's been taking over the YouTube chats, for Dagan Hughes, I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody, and we will talk to you in less than 23 hours.